Aaron. Welcome to the Frontier Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I've been listening to the other ones for the other team members so I can kind of get to know more of their background and I guess kind of like their perspective on everything that we do. Have you? You're the most well-prepared guest. Everybody else gets on here and they're <laughs> like, they think it's like a Zoom meeting. They're like, what's our agenda? And I'm like, mm, we're, uh, we're creating content, guys. Well, welcome. I'm excited to have you. I'm thrilled that you are maybe not a fan, but at least like a loyal listener of the Frontier Podcast. That's great. (laughs) Okay, Cameron, what is your, let's start with like your job here and then we're going to work backwards. What's your official title? I'm the client experience coordinator. I mean, I was the first of the two that we have now. Um, So really, I mean, a coordinator is pretty much just a liaison. I think like the most immediate answer for what I do all day is just kind of like manage responses. I know sometimes it seems like that's not a full job or workload for someone to do, but with, I guess, the amount of clients and developers that we work with, keeping somebody kind of focused on that has been really important. Yeah, a hundred percent. We, when we were designing the coordinator role, the gap was our promise is that we're going to be really prompt with feedback and making sure that everything moves quickly Um, and the problem was we just had way too many balls in the air and really needed somebody to kind of step in and make those connections. Like you said, that's like the super zoomed in version, obviously like zoomed out is Mm -hmm. we like as a business, we're connecting hires with talent. And when you're using, when you're doing that without a service like us, like if you're a hire and listening, you probably feel this viscerally, like your inbox is just always full of stuff that needs attention and so cameron is like cameron's a part of working with gun.io that makes that super easy um because he's kind of running all that defense on your behalf yeah and i mean even prior to me joining having like so many different functions kind of on someone else's plate so like jesse who's account manager having her do the coordination within all of the account management like i just don't even know how that was possible (laughs) yeah You also have this experience that I feel like a lot of people have either had or are curious about where you joined a startup, like a a still pretty small company, and were dropped into a role that didn't exist before you got here. Like, what was your experience with that? How did you navigate kind of carving out a role here? Well, I think it's been really interesting. I mean, even just like last week, I realized that I think we've officially doubled from the size we were at when I joined. I think I was like, 13 or 14 and then now we're nearing 30. Mm-hmm. I had worked in a couple of other kind of tech and startup style companies where there's a lot of ambiguity and there was a lot of things um, for everyone to kind of take part in, which I really like. But I think kind of the difference that I found in Gun very immediately was that um, no one shies away from their responsibilities. And so I really like that when the role was designed, like I think there was a very clear set of like objectives for me to accomplish and then kind of responsibilities that I had ownership over that other people didn't really have to worry about anymore. Um, But also there hasn't been siloing. So like there's a lot of opportunities for me to pitch in helping other teams, kind of poking my head, watching recordings of their meetings, stuff like that, that I think you can't necessarily get outside of a tech company where things are really siloed, but also kind of a smaller team where people are really happy to collaborate and they encourage it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's your superpower. If I were to like name everybody's superpower, yours is curiosity. Um, Yeah, I tend to read like all the slacks all the time, everything that's (laughs) going on. 
Because a lot of times you'll even kind of pick up context. Because I mean, being a coordinator right. is obviously like sometimes clients will um, communicate with other people when they should be giving me certain information. And so I kind of have to go be the fly on the wall and collect it and put it where it needs to go. So I'm just kind of used to like being very hyper aware. So you've been here, you're almost at your one year anniversary, which is crazy. Yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. If there's like one thing that you've become an expert on so far in your time here, and you were to like write a book about that thing, what do you think it would be? I think something that's kind of unexpected for me um, was really like finding the job that is just the best fit for you. And I think since I sit in so many interviews and I hear people um, mutually kind of evaluate if like the developer wants to do the project or the job, if the company wants to work with the developer, I think... I had a little bit more of like a fear before I worked here of like, okay, when I go apply for a job, the company has all the leverage and I'm kind of like playing the numbers game and it's whatever I can get. Um, And so I think working in this job and also seeing other people go through that experience on a daily basis, I think it's really important to find the right fit um, for what you want to do, which sounds cliche. Everyone's like, oh, you should enjoy your work. But I think looking kind of internally, and analyzing like what are your strengths what are the things that you tend to do what are the things that you don't like doing like i don't like getting up really early <laughs> i don't like mm-hmm. traveling so working remote well i like traveling for leisure but yeah. i don't like the commute of having to sit in traffic and go to an office and kind of lose that time so i think working remote and just having a lot of flexibility was something that was really important for me so working with clients that are all over the place and where um, i can kind of provide that has been really great and then also just Again, like I, I read all the slacks. I'm very organized. Finding a job where my habits are core strengths was really important. And so I think that's definitely any advice I can give is just to really like determine what you want to put into a job and then find the jobs that match that. That's a really good, like I might write that in a post-it note and put it in my laptop. <laughs> like your your habits are your core strengths, Mm-hmm. Right. I think that if there's something you never want to do, you probably shouldn't find a job where that's your main responsibility. Right. Because I'm like all for stretching a little bit and getting a little bit uncomfortable. But if that's your entire job, that's also really insightful, Cameron, because like you're right, you sit on you've probably sat in on more interviews than most HR managers do <laughs> in their first year, because like you've we've got so many so many kind of like open roles on our books. I really appreciate that takeaway. Like it's really easy when you're in the job seeking space to think that you don't have any leverage in those conversations. And so that's really cool insight that like, no, actually, you know, you see both sides and you know that often the the final decision is really with the talent. Yeah. And I think especially if you're younger, there's also more of a fear just being new, being more entry level. And so luckily, I mean, I've worked in a couple different companies since I graduated. So this wasn't my first, like I kind of had a little bit of experience and like where I really loved certain environments and didn't like other ones. So I wasn't necessarily able to like walk in here and call the shots and say, oh, I want this and I don't want this. But I definitely think there's a respectful way um, and kind of an expectation when you're interviewing. People will ask you, you know, really good interviewers or even just kind of the standard questions. They're trying to get a feel for what you do and don't like. And it's okay to like say no. Right. And not not take any job that's available. Right. Yeah. It's easy to say when we're both employed, obviously. But (laughs) I hope I remember that one day when I am job searching that like, you know, any discomfort that there is in the in the job search, you know, it's going to be way better if I just kind of sit in that discomfort a little bit longer and find something that's a good fit rather than settling. 
Yeah, and I think it also relies on you being honest because sometimes, you know, what you read on paper is not all that there is to a job. And so I think especially in the interviews that I sit on, if you give very short canned answers, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're telling them a yes or a no, they're going to get the same kind of takeaway, which is that you're not that interested or you don't really Mm -hmm. care to be there. And so even if you're saying what you think they want to hear, if you're not really giving them a lot of honesty and like intention, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a a lot of you. you. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, because people will find a fit for you and their team if they think you're a superstar, even if they don't necessarily want to get on a Zoom with you all day, every day. Yeah. Obviously, this is like the like not only are you the first person to hold the role that you have here, but also like. I don't think you've had this exact role before. Tell me like a little bit about your career history before you landed here. Well, so my degree is in industrial distribution, which is pretty much like a blend of technical sales, supply chain management. Um, If you know what a distributor is, so like kind of in between a manufacturer and retail, it's like the supply chain level um, where you don't really necessarily produce your product, but you're kind of essential in getting it to its endpoint, like the customers. And so I really would... I thought that I was on a path towards sales and it was just very difficult to kind of get a start there. So I went into client support instead, which is, I guess, like the little brother to sales. (laughs) (laughs) It's the enablement. So I worked in that. I was in the logistics industry, which was just really, really demanding. Also like mid-COVID. Yeah, right as that was setting on. So luckily, I was like right at the time where everyone was going digital and starting remote work. Because I remember when I was first applying to jobs, that was like very rare. And Mm -hmm. so when I found the job that was like that, I thought I was lucky. And then so many other, um, especially talent companies, went in that direction. So as like more recently when I applied to Gunn, obviously, I I don't even think Gunn was was remote at that time in early 2020 yet. Yeah, we went remote at the start of the pandemic and then decided like three months in to just go all in and only hire distributed. So yeah, we were kind of late to the party. Yeah, I'm a big supporter for that. Um, So yeah, I kind of didn't really love being in the logistics industry. It was familiar from like my supply chain degree, but it's just really, really demanding. I wanted something that allowed me to have more like work-life balance and just more career trajectory with kind of the variation of roles that I would be, um, I guess, like able to advance into. And so from there, I went to another company where I was doing product support. So I was doing the technical component that I had kind of been trained on. Um, through like the engineering school without having to go and be a full coder. So I think that's mm-hmm. also kind of what eventually led me towards Gun was like, a, I was a little bit familiar with kind of the fundamentals in engineering and software, but I was definitely not a coder by any means. I had only really worked with like Python and SQL and not very extensively. Mm-hmm. I didn't really enjoy them either. <laughs> so again, kind of looking at like what I did want to do, what I didn't want to do, and then where my strengths were, which was in like, client facing, keeping things organized, just like being a liaison, because it's kind of hard to find liaison jobs sometimes unless they're literally titled that and there's not a lot of them. And in those cases, it's like, it could mean 16 different things. Mm -hmm. It's really the needs of the team that you join. Right. I've got two questions for you and both of them are advice questions. So the first is you're kind of like the perfect image of the kind of candidate that a lot of companies want to hire, which is like you, you're like a Swiss army knife. You've got some really interesting kind of like diverse experience. Um, You're still 
I mean, we're both still early in our careers and you've just got this like hunger to learn and to excel. What is a piece of advice that you would give to a hire who's trying to recruit folks like you? Well, I think what's funny is some of the difficulty I really had in like finding my first job. It took me several months after I graduated. Obviously, the pandemic was a huge factor in that. But like, I would go on LinkedIn and see 200 applicants to jobs. Mm. And I would really just like be overwhelmed with how competitive it was. And I put out like hundreds of applications before I got the first one. And then even going to the second one, like it, um, it started to whittle down. I actually had a recruiter message me for the second one. Mm. And then for this job, um, I found it because I just really knew exactly what I was looking for. So and I obviously was a very good fit for this role. So I think what's really important is just really accurately writing the job description and putting it in the right place where people will find it. So, I mean, sometimes when you go on LinkedIn, it's like impossible. You're just flooded with like sales jobs that are commission only or like all these things that LinkedIn thinks are a good fit for you, but they're really not. Mm-hmm. And so it's very difficult to find the jobs that you want that are the right fit. And I mean, obviously for our platform, we're structured differently. Like we're much more specialty and we're really on top of matching people um, for the right fit. But I think as someone with a job to hire for, you have to really accurately post it and make sure it's in the right channels. Um, And then also like when you're going through your applicants, um, I guess giving people sometimes the opportunity to show that they're the right fit. Mm. So like I hadn't been a coordinator before, but I had jobs that were similar that kind of led me on this path. And I think I had a lot of the soft skills that I was able to put into like my cover letter and answering questions and kind of demonstrating. So, I mean, I I think that's kind of more on your perspective with how I was in the (laughs) interviews, because I think you were the first interview that I had. But I know if you Uh immediately looked at my resume and said, oh, you know, he's only fresh out of school, doesn't have coordinator experience exactly, but something else there is telling me that this is going to be a fit. It was exactly what you called out at the beginning of our conversation, which was, show genuine interest and like actually take the time to like share a little bit about yourself. I think we do a huge disservice to young people. Like I was a teacher and I am guilty of this where we tell them how to write in certain situations. Like here's how you write a cover letter and here's how you write a professional email. And it all looks the same. It all looks the same. It all looks like a robot did it. I mean, right or wrong, like that's a signal to me that somebody does not actually care about the job. Um, That said, like we have to balance that with this understanding that on the job seeker side and your experience, it's like, I mean, I got to send a hundred of these before Mm -hmm. I even get one look. And so I think this is a like we're circling around a problem that like our company is solving, um, but we only exist for software developers. And so for all of the other professions, this is still a huge problem. Um, but yeah, I think what really stood out was your your writing and your cover letter, the time you took to understand the business and how you made it super easy for me to see how your skills and experience were a perfect fit for this role. And you didn't just say, my skills and experience are a perfect fit for this role. <laughs> you gave, you know, yeah, some like really, right, some really like interesting concrete examples that made the that synapse easy for me to make in my brain. So, yeah, I think kind of my recommendation, because I get asked this all the time from all sorts of places about like writing or how to write either just in a professional sense. And, you know, if you're emailing a customer or a client or cold calling, cold emailing, like whatever format, my best advice is always 
just to speak it out loud, like ask yourself the question and then respond the answer because you're probably going to give a verbal answer that's a lot more concise and like really kind of aligned with what you really want to say versus if you just start typing away at a computer, your brain works a lot differently when you're writing versus like speaking. Yeah. When you're typing before you know it, it's going to be like six sentences Mm -hmm. basically asking how their day is and like apologizing for emailing them. And (laughs) And putting in all these little phrases like in order to, and as well as just things that you can like trim out that you're not yes. really going to say. Yes. So. Oh my gosh. That was like, I had a, <laughs> a professor in college who gave me a list of all the words I wasn't allowed to say anymore. Like utilize and order to is one of <laughs> I them. I love the word utilize, but I also utilize it in a way that it like makes the most sense. Right. He said, he was like, Faith, every single time you want to say utilize, just say use. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh. for me, it's if it's <laughs> if I'm using the word in like a tech related sense, I tend to go for utilize just because I think use is like I'm using an app. If I'm utilizing yeah. it, it's like I'm getting the most out of it. So that's typically right. how I like frame a word. But I also t- tend to use the idea of like, um, I think it's like Kevin on the office where he's like few word do trick. I'll start like <laughs> seeing as many words as I can knock out of like a paragraph that I've written. And yeah. the message just don't get across. And sometimes yes. things repeat. Other times, like if I can, you know, remove like, oh, I want to, and just say like, boom, what I want to say. Anything like that that cuts it down, especially in applications, because people are going to read a ton of applications. If you're putting all this like fluff in there, it makes it very difficult for them to get to like the point. And sometimes there's word limits. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, almost every job requires, like, especially for your job, we needed somebody who was going to be an excellent writer in you know emails which like you said real estate on emails is slim you got to get right to the point so that was like the first Mm -hmm. test like is this person going to be really great at at the job okay last question is you know that's some really great advice for hires who are looking to recruit folks like you what about people who are listening who are like wait a minute that's kind of where i am right now i've had this i've had some kind of like different job experience. I know I want to get into maybe like a fast growing tech startup. How do I make myself uh, competitive in that market? I think it's really important to really try and personalize your responses. I mean, I know it's kind of repeating what we just said, but like Mm -hmm. when you do get that job application, even though you may be thinking, oh, I have like a list of them to get through, you should really kind of take the time to answer each one. Because Even sometimes like I would apply to jobs and then a day later I'd be like, oh, I really want to follow up and add something else. I don't feel like, you know, my first go around was like, just get the application as soon as possible. And I don't really enjoy doing it. But then you have all this time afterwards where you're sitting and kind of waiting and maybe you're being a little more analytical and thinking like, oh, you know, there was a part of the job description that I didn't really touch on when I wrote my little paragraph that it allowed me to send, you know, Mm -hmm. there's like a 200 character word limit. And all I said was, I have direct experience. Like, I mean, just like you're saying, and it wasn't personable, because I think sometimes we just want to like, do whatever's the most convenient, we had the easy apply, we give them the little cookie cutter response. And then later we sit and go, okay, now I've applied to 10 things. This is the one or two that I want the most. Ooh, I really wish I would have like dove in and given them my best portrayal of myself. And so I think it's, you should play a numbers game. You should apply to as many things as applicable to you, but you should also kind of give them each their own attention. So if you're going to get through more, take more time. And I would pull through kind of something that you said earlier, which is 
know what you want. Like get very clear on like for you, clarity meant like, I actually know the role title that I'm looking for. Like (laughs) coordinating is like the thing that I excel at, but you know, I always tell people like make a, make a list with three columns, like things that you absolutely will not do. And then things that you absolutely must do. And then the stuff in between is like stuff you think you could grow into. Yeah. And I think it's also for growing into, you want to list like, oh, I want to be an account manager next, or I want to be a product manager, like whatever your kind of like path is. And it's good to have a lot of different options, not to just narrow down one very specific niche. Cause that's a, that's a problem that I would do to myself when I was in college was I would just fantasize like, I'm gonna have this job. And then in two years I do this. And then I go for like, and you start to lay out this path. And then when you can't get step number one, not only have you wasted all of that time and you've mentally bought into it, but like, it's just not very efficient. You should, you should have been doing other things. You should have been, um, you know, kind of playing the field a little bit better and being more open for new opportunities. So Mm -hmm. I think that's, what's kind of important with playing the numbers game is it's not that you're applying to things that aren't a fit for you, but it's also like, especially if you're newer, like you maybe don't know all of the things that exist out there. And so I still don't know all the things that exist. (laughs) Like what is the job? Yeah. Yeah. And that's also why like, it's very important. I mean, I think a lot of developers see that on our, on our platform. We get some of the most random projects sometimes and yeah. they haven't done it before. They haven't built an app that does this thing in this industry, but they've done it in another industry. And so being able to communicate how they did that, what about that they liked and what they didn't allows the hirer to look at that and say like, oh, well, you're not going to have to worry about that. That's not something we deal with in this industry. So you're going to be a perfect fit. Or they go, oh, you know, the hardest part of the job is like, that's all you're going to be doing here. So mutually, I don't think either one of us wants this relationship and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually like a productive conversation. It's honestly okay when like we have interviews where both sides decide like, okay, this isn't right for me. And it's good to know that up front. And usually even sometimes clients will say like, okay, well, we may have something else that's better fit for you. And they actually mean it. And, you know, mm-hmm. especially it's wonderful for us when clients do come back and I have something different and they go, oh, this person that was didn't enjoy doing front end and they weren't a fit for our full stack role. Well, now we need them for backend. And let's bring them in, stuff like that. Well, Cameron, our clients and developers are so lucky that you are the person making sure that everything is seamless for them. So we're lucky to have you. Thank you for Thank joining. You. If people want to find you, how, how can they get in touch? Well, I'm Cameron at gun.io. I love having like a little first name email. Oh, it's so great. One day when we're yeah. like 40,000 employees, you're going to be like, I got the OG email. <laughs> yep, that and then Slack too. I, I feel like that was one thing that was kind of surprising when I first joined was just developers would just start slacking me the most random questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're an approved developer on gun.io, we have a really cool Slack community called Cantina. Um, so all of our internal staff is in there. So if you've got questions about how your interview went, Cameron is there um, and the rest of us as well. So. Cool. Well, thank you, Cameron. Until next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week.
Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.